Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back once again to the VOV Network and our live stream here on Saturday. And we're going to dive right into it. What we're going to be getting into today is the final T in our 5T series. And that's talking about trust. And very broad topic. I'm going to go deep, talk about various things, answer some questions that we think people really don't think about when they think about trust, such as, is it more of a feeling or is trust actually an emotion? And then also one thing, and I know a few of the members here maybe disagree with a little, and we'll talk that through as well, is trust something that should be given automatically, or is it something that you should earn? Those are different subjects, different topics. We're going to dive deep into talking about ways to cultivate, grow, trust both on the giving side, the receiving side, and also trust within yourself. So stick around. Let's get into it. Well, good morning, ladies. How are you doing this morning? Great. Doing great. Good, good morning. Good. Doing well. Doing well? Good, good, good. Welcome. So we're going to dive right into this this morning. We've got a lot to talk about and some different differing opinions, which is good because <laughs> we're never always going to agree on everything and that's the way it should be. Uh, and our subject for today, we're talking about cultivating trust. And obviously, when that word comes out, people instantly go to the place of, trusting someone else, right? But it's actually much, much, much deeper than that from a trust standpoint, because it, yes, trusting some other people is important, but it also has to do with some of the things or elements in our life that we either have trust or comfort with. And that it also has a lot to do, and people don't realize how much who they trust or how they trust has to do with the trust they have and the confidence they have within themselves. Mm -hmm. So we're going to dive into and kind of talk about all those things. So that being said, uh, let's get into it. The other thing I want to mention really quick for our audience is we want to make this as interactive as we possibly can. So if there are any comments, questions, things you'd like to share as we go through this live session today, uh, please don't hesitate to drop your comments and we, we look forward to that. Absolutely. Right. So let's get in. Um, I'm going to bring in the presentation and we'll go to the first slide right away and really just kind of talk about uh, what the definition of trust is. So what is trust? So from a definition standpoint, it says firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something, right? So again, kind of broad, but also very specific because they're using some, I think some key words into that description, uh, reliability, truth, ability, and strength. So that means that you as an individual have either one of those things or a combination of those different elements in another person or in a certain situation or or, or in something else. You that is the is it the feeling that you have? And that's one of the first questions. Or is it an emotion? So and when I say is trust a behavior versus an emotion, what's the difference between those two? Who who has any feedback or thoughts on when I say is trust a behavior? Or is that an emotion? Um, well, um, these are very relevant questions when it comes to trust. But there are so many levels to peel when you think about how you base how trust looks in your life. And in my opinion, it's, um, in terms of beha uh, behavior or emotion, it's situational. Um, it can be acted out or it can be unspoken. Um, so for me, it's, it's both. Got it. Okay. Tristina, what do you think? And well, welcome, you know, welcome back. 
<laughs> yes, Thank I welcome you. that. Thank you. I, I'm really excited uh, to be here, especially in this conversation, um, because trust is something that, that I've, I've wrestled with from a few angles uh, in, in the last few years. But I would definitely say trust is, I don't believe in emotion. I think trust is too weighty of a matter to be an emotion. And if we attach the, the value of trust, whether it's with ourselves or someone else to an emotion, we're always going to fall short in really seeing how can I apply this in a way that is going to be significant because we know in every relationship, whether it's, you know, a romantic one or a business one, that trust is at the center of it. Can I trust you to show up and do what it is uh, that we've agreed to or what you said you would do? So I don't see it as an emotion. I don't think it could handle uh, that. And as a behavior, I did look at trust and character being tied very close. And so we can say it's a behavior. However, um, um, I don't think our behavior uh, are, let me say it this way. I think our behaviors will uh, show up in a way that says, I can trust that person or I can't trust that person. So okay. uh, the emotion part, eh, it's too heavy, but the behavior definitely, because I think when we start to dive into this conversation a little bit more, we'll see how trust is connected to behavior. Got it. Yeah. So let me add a third word to that. So I said trust, is it a behavior or an emotion? What if I also said, what if, what, what if it's a behavior, a feeling or an emotion? How does that change or does that impact uh, what you think about trust? Hmm. I would side with behavior um, and feeling. I completely, and I guess when I said both in terms of behavior and emotional, I mean the um, the acting out of it. But in terms of behavior and feeling, you can feel like you trust someone based on what they have shown you. Okay. And we'll get into the um, uh, given or, or earned part of that. So I would say behavior definitely it's a heavy weighted um, subject. So I would say behavior and feeling for me. I feel like I can trust you based on what you've shown me. Okay. So they tie right. in behavior and the feeling tie in. So it's two things. So basically what I'm hearing is it's their behavior, but then it's your feeling that you get right. from. It. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Tersina, do you have anything you want to add on that? No, I like that, Bridget. You know, I, I think that's really spot on because uh, I don't know if this is for us as women, but you know, your feelings, not something you uh, let drive you, but it's definitely something that is an indicator. Do I feel like I can trust this person? And so that's huge. <laughs> do I, or do I feel like I can trust myself? And I right. like right. to share right. that aspect right. of, of uh of uh, this conversation because I had a conversation with, with myself on that thing. Can I trust myself in this area? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So let me shovel even some more on top of this. All right. So I did a little <laughs> bit of research and uh, like I said, we're going to go deep on this one because I think it's, it, it's, it's very relevant. Yeah, so I did some research to, uh, to say what is the difference from, and I, I won't say clinically to a degree, but as a psychology or the, the world would describe it. Uh, between feeling and emotion, you know, what is at, at a root level, right? So 
feeling is and this, this keeping it as simple as we possibly can. Feeling is conscious. Emotion can be either subconscious or conscious. So basically, if you're feeling something, it is a conscious awareness or thought that you're having. Whereas an emotion can be running in the background and you not even know it in your mm -hmm. subconscious or it can be in your conscious. So that is the primary difference between feelings and emotions, mm -hmm. uh, So, which is very interesting. And that's why one of the examples I always talk about with feeling is how, how many times we probably all had it happen or we witnessed it. Well, someone gets a minor injury, they cut their finger, blah, 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 but they don't know it. They didn't. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like, where is this blood coming from? Right. And then that in that moment, ouch, it hurts because that feeling of pain doesn't come because you were not conscious of it. But the moment you become conscious of it, that's when you then have the feeling. So mm -hmm. that's a great example to say that's when a, a good way to look at feeling versus the emotion. Okay. At, adding that on top of it, how does that change your view on trust? Just off the cuff, I would just say it's situational. Just it just depends on on the situation. You can in a relationship, um, someone can um, have, do this terrible act, and you trusted them, and you um, you don't put a lot of thought in it. But at that at that very moment, you feel this anger, and you can't. I I, I will never trust you. But then once you kind of think about everything that has happened and and your part in it and their part in it, then you go, well, okay, I can see how this happened. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can trust them again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is that the, the, the feeling versus emotion part and trying to reconcile your way through that, you think? Right. Okay. That makes sense. I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, so that, that, that's, I think, a very important distinction to bring in when we are talking about trust and having to get a better understanding of that there are layers and levels. And then obviously situations are going to have an impact on um, how we go about applying the different mm -hmm. things that happen. In it, right. Yes. But that's the key one. I wanted to bring that up about conscious versus subconscious and with the feeling versus emotion. Because that is, I think, one of the drivers that we really need to be aware of, uh, not yeah. just for our discussion purposes today, but in life and as we move forward and, and talk about the other things that we are going to share as we as we run through our session today. So let's move to the second question uh, where we talk about should trust be given or should it be earned? <laughs> now, you and I have <laughs> talked about this. <laughs> have um, we really? <laughs> We've been talking about this since May, um, about this trust thing since we started these teas, and um, we differ In on that, um, which we will find that others may differ as well. Right. I believe that it is given. That's just based on my how I've been brought up, my situations, you know, family background, just you know, everything, my experiences, and so. Um, we did that. We talked about the concept of the credits, right? You give. Yeah. We talked about you either give people credits, and as they as they um, do anything or whatever to lose those credits, you take them away, or 
you keep the credit and as they do things to build earn your trust you give them to them well i believe that you give them to them and then when they when you when they lose your trust you take them away um you believe in the opposite and so i believe that trust i will trust you until you give me a reason not to and that's just i've always um dealt with any type of relationship um because you have to, for me, I, then I would always walk around not trusting people and them having to uh, build or perform or whatever to, for, to earn my trust. And some people just don't know that that's what they have to do. Okay, fair enough. Tristina, what do you want to share on that? I think it's both. And, and along with what Bridget is saying, uh, when you think, and we're, Bridget and I are both teachers, so I'm come from that that angle. When a kid shows up in the classroom, uh, if we just tell the kid, when you start off school, you get 100. Everybody's at an A or not 100. Let me say an A. And then every assignment you turn in or don't turn in will change that A to another grade. Now, if you turn it in, you'll stay there. So when you think of trust, trust is something that you give someone, right? It doesn't have to be earned. However, however, there are some instances where if you have, um, and, and let me say this real quick, when we look at uh, trust, uh, I want to say that trust is um, a um, repeated re reality is how I've heard it. So how I see you repeatedly showing up, I can trust you. So if you come into my sphere uh, or circle and I realize um, that something that has been said or something that I've witnessed has not allowed me to have uh, uh, this rock solid trust in your repeated reality, you're going to have to earn it. I can't just give you that. And, and it wouldn't be wise on my part to say, I've seen these areas consistently in a person's life that I've had to question. So you don't instantly get my trust. You're going to have to earn it. And it's not from the place uh, of, uh, and I just want to say this, from, from um, performing, because I don't want anybody to feel like, I don't think any of us need to show up and feel like we need to perform. Mm -hmm. But I think in building relationships or connections, there is a place where you may have to come in and show that I can be trusted. This may have been the repeated reality for years or a, a season of my life where I did certain things, but I'm a different person. So there's no performing here, but it, it is the point to uh, be made that if this has been your track record, so to speak, I, mm -hmm. I need to see that I can trust you. And so you don't instantly get my trust. So I think it's both. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. And it just, just depends on what Bridget was saying. It's situational. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and I definitely agree, Tristina. If you have a track rec record where you you have untrusting behavior, I am not going to go into it like, oh, yeah, well, that was the past. I trust you. Oh, no. You're going to have to show me that I can trust you yeah, yeah. Um, again. So, yeah, it's both. Yeah. Got it. And Brian, now, your your thoughts. <laughs> so my thoughts are different. We'll go with that. <laughs> but not necessarily drastically, but just framed in a different way. So... Uh, I, for me, uh, I actually, and I, the analogy that I actually come up with for it is a firewall, right? So I actually have a firewall in life in general and people, no matter who or where they start on the outside of the firewall. 
and then they have to uh, call it a call it a filter, if you will, um, and then they have to prove or show that they are worthy to be let through the firewall uh, to to get to a certain place of being a little closer or in the circle or whatever term you want to use. But that is how I go about it. So yes, is that the opposite of you know giving them the hundred credits right out of the box. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. But then that's the way I have chosen to uh, kind of go through that process. So that's my first line filter or firewall, or whatever you want to call it. And then people have to uh, show that they're worthy to be a trusted website and pass through that firewall, basically. And that, that's my approach to it. Uh, mm, has that kept your circle small? Has it ma- intentionally I mean- small? Yes. <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> this kind of conversation can last all it has. Last, well, I, I, I like that Brian said intentional because when it comes to, I want to share this. Um, uh, and it's a scripture, y'all. It says, uh, "Guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life." Right. So if you always leave your heart open, and this doesn't necessarily have to be a relationship with uh, like a romantic relationship or something. It could be with anybody because whoever we allow into our circles, there's a part of us and our heart that you will be close to that you can affect. And if you leave that open for everybody, there can be some injury. There can be some places where you may have an ouch. Did you really just say that or do that? Um, so I think it's important that we are intentional on who we allow in, especially when you're thinking about trust, because it's so valuable in our connections that if I'm just allowing, and I think maybe this is a good place to bring it in. I, I've gone through a divorce and twice. And so I told myself, I don't know if I trust myself to choose again. So I started looking at me. I was like, I don't know that I trust my decision making. Um, And it's not that these were horrible guys at all. They're wonderful, but there were just some characters, uh, character flaws that showed up uh, that that did not sustain us. And even through periods of grace, right, seasons of walking through that, I realized, I don't know if I trust myself. So I was like, ah, we just going to put that on pause for right now. I'm all right being single. I'm going to just sit in that place. That is me being intentional about the trust within myself that I didn't know I had. But then when it's about giving to others, can I trust you? And if you don't fall in a place where I can, you don't get through that firewall. It's okay. We need to be intentional. And sometimes uh, having a small circle may be beneficial for a season of your life. For me, especially while I'm working through, do I trust myself in this area to choose again? So I like that that point you made, Brian, because it's okay to yeah, be intentional. And yeah. And that's an excellent reference because uh, that's something I want to talk about when we get a little bit deeper into some of the, 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 the other slides. We are going to be talking more about the, the trust in self. And as you said, mm-hmm. Christina, that, that ability to feel comfortable that um, I don't even trust myself to make these decisions, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and how that plays out from a, a mental and emotional uh, standpoint mm-hmm. and, and where the root causes and beliefs and those different things come from and then how to better better manage your way through that as well. So we'll be talking yeah. about all those things as we move forward. 
So I think we kill that horse. We can, we can move on to the next horse. <laughs> Thank which you, really, what, Which really is what we were just saying, you know, do you have trust in yourself, right? And, uh, you know, yeah. that I think is the one that gets overlooked probably the most. Because as I said, when we first started the our conversation today, when the word trust hits the table, we instantly look at it outbound, right? Mm-hmm. Do I trust this person? Do I trust that person? Do I trust this situation? But a lot of that, you have to understand, is driven by your own internal comforts within yourself, right? Uh, and w- what you trust in and don't trust in. So one of the things I want to bring up when we talk about this, and then we'll, we'll get off this slide and we'll move on, uh, is the concepts of certainty versus uncertainty. And that really is what, in some ways, even trust is related to. How certain am I in a certain thing? How uncertain is a certain thing? And it could be a person, it can be a thing, it could be a situation, whatever it might be. Example, if we all jumped on a plane right now and went out, we're going to go skydiving, right? What would be going through our minds from a trust, certainty, or uncertainty standpoint, right? So am I certain that the parachute's going to open? Yeah, maybe, right? I mean, there's so all these things you're processing your way through as you go through that process. So a lot of what is behind trust is your level of either how certain you feel about it, how uncertain you feel about it. And it's a sliding scale. So it can change. It can be, as you said, well, one person or group, that slide might be all the way to this side. So you're very certain that's the way you feel about it. Other situations, it could be more uncertain. So I think a lot of the root cause and something we don't think about in our lives so much is, it, that is one of the biggest motivators about how we react to things is our level of certainty and uncertainty uh, in whatever it may be. So that's uh, it's just something I want to believe in because certainty and uncertainty actually apply to trust. It applies to faith and it applies to belief. Right. So I want to throw that on the table before we move forward. Definitely. Questions, comments, emotional outbursts. No, Um, just and I know we spent a lot of time on this on this first slide, but we didn't kind of dive into trusting yourself. And I just want to say this just to be transparent and so that the audience can kind of open up as well. That was a big one for me. Um, Most of my life, and I think I've talked about it in different sessions that most of my life, my adult life, um, I had an issue with trusting in myself and I. In a number of sessions, I've talked about making decisions out of fear, um, so much so that fast forward, I um, had a hard time making decisions. And I asked this person and this person and this person, what they, what should I do about my own life decisions? Because I did not make decisions in the past. And when I did make decisions, it was out of fear. So I was scared of what I, you know, I was scared of a yes or a no from me. Or, or, or right from me. And so I did not, and I had to realize I didn't trust in myself. So I had to walk that out. And some people don't realize that um, when they're having a hard time trusting, uh, making decisions, it's sometimes because we don't trust ourselves. And we haven't met that yet, that we haven't admitted that yet, that we just don't trust ourselves, not the situation that's going on or to make a decision in a situation. We just don't trust ourselves to make that um, make that move or make that um, decision. And so um, I had to walk that out. I had to get healed from that. I had to become more self-aware. And we're going to talk about that later. Um, I had to know that trusting in myself 
you know, I had to trust in myself and my abilities, definitely in my abilities. And so I just pause and they'll go like, well, what's wrong? You didn't say anything. I just pause so that I can give myself some time um, to make a decision. Bridget, thanks for sharing. You actually kind of froze a little bit there, but mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. And the reason I look like I'm having some connection problems. The reason I even put that on there about trusting yourself is I think in, in a lot of ways that that's step one, right? Because we can talk about all the other things, but your decision making is so rooted in mm -hmm. self and starting inside and internally and what the motivators are and, and all those different things. So actually taking that step back to do that evaluation of self as, as Bridget just talked about so that you can get to a place of true comfort so that then you are making better decisions when uh, who you trust how you trust and all those different things because it's going to impact your life in various ways mm -hmm. so I think that's a key area of self-awareness is and that's one of the things that we talk about a lot here on the view of network is, is a lot of this is about just becoming aware and especially self-aware and that's a key, key component, I think, that uh, we really want people to kind of to grasp because it is not all about the outbound piece of trust. Mm -hmm. A lot of it has to do with that internal piece as well. So before we move on, uh, and if this is your first time joining us, let's do a quick roundtable and just kind of introduce everyone. Uh, my name is Brian Murray. I'm the founder of the Village of Voices and the VOV Network. And our primary mission is to help you cultivate, enhance, and preserve self-excellence. And that's what we're focused to. I'm joined today by two wonderful co-hosts. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourselves. Hello, I am Bridget Kenny. I am the founder and director of Building Bridges Mentor and Outreach Program and Be Beautiful Girls. Hi, I'm Tracina Jones. I'm the founder and CEO, and I like to say it this way, the Community Engagement Officer of Halo Foundation. And I'm also a small business owner, excited, just launched my new business. This is always a great conversation. And so I'm glad to be a part of uh, this conversation on trust today. Excellent. Thank you both for joining. And we're going to move on to the next slide. We'll bring that in and get that going. Okay, just as Brian has mentioned so many times before, Brene Brown is my go-to person. And so I'm always encouraged by her quotes. And so what does it mean to trust? Trust is a product of vulnerability that grows over time and requires work, attention, and full engagement. Trust isn't a grand gesture. It's a growing marble collection. Mm -hmm. And so from that, I got that it's just like any other human act, love, et cetera, that affects others. It it takes work and it's not one, it's not a one and done, right? It grows over time and it becomes this, this beautiful piece of life and a work of art uh, between yourself, your life and others and the people that you trust. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And the key word uh, is probably vulnerability. And, and we've talked at length about that in some previous sessions, um, just the importance of, of that and uh, how, it it's obviously brings about some fear for a lot of people, right? Because they don't want to be open and, and exposed, but it is a key component to mm -hmm. truly being able to trust and to, to, to give it freely and to be comfortable uh, within yourself when you do that uh, is, is getting to a place with vulnerability that you're okay. And then I, I do like the part here where it says it's a growing marble collection. And I, 
it takes me back to you know childhood and we all had you know the little bag of the different marbles and there was these certain ones of different colors and different things that you were really proud of because they just they had a huge representation of who you are and what you are about and that's exactly uh what she's referring to here and i think that's that's very choice words in this this quote mm-hmm. The part that stands out to me is it grows over time. Mm -hmm. And when you think about whether it's trust with yourself or others, um, it's this repeated reality, something that I can see over and over and over. And so it does grow over time. And that's why uh, when we said earlier, it's it's both. um, uh, What was that? Behavior and feeling. I mean, most. No, I forgot. Oh, goodness. But anyway, what I'm saying is it is both given and earned. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the part I was trying to say, because mm-hmm. when it grows over time, you can see I've given it to you. But then over time, can I trust that um, I can continue staying in that place with you? Or do we need to revisit what it is that it's going on? So it's it, it, it's a really good point because people show up and mistakes are made. and And when we look at the value of trust in our, our relationships in whatever aspect, uh, it grows over time and we need to be comfortable with uh, those places where it may not always be what we thought it would be, but uh, we can continue with the process and reevaluate uh, what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an ever evolving thing. And I think that's the other piece of yeah. it. Just like anything in any relationship, right? If you, you go into it and you, you say, all right, this is how it's set up and this is how it's framed and I'm done. Well, no, that's, yeah. that's not how it works, right? You, yep. It's ever evolving, <laughs> ever changing because our environment changes, we change as, as individuals, yes. um, everything's going on with that. So it is something that you do have to be aware of and, and work with to continue to maintain. So I think that's mm-hmm. a key component. Definitely, definitely. So let's go on to the next slide uh, and continue to talk about that. And, um... Okay. Elements of trusting behavior. So do you display these trusting behaviors? Being a good listener, eliminate the blame game and tit for tat, cultivate self-awareness and being transparent. Um, anybody want to start and how this resonates with you or the people that you trust? I could, I'll definitely jump in talking about, um, obviously, self-awareness is a key one for me, and I harp on that a lot because and that's a lot of what our focus is right here because I, I'm a, just a true believer that um, a lot of the things that you can do to impact change uh, in your life to make to make those differences start within. It's, it's not about what's out. It's, it's what's, what, what's within inside of you. And uh, so self-awareness and cultivating that is I think a huge key. And as we've already talked about with trust, it plays into that. But before we, I, I hand it over, I do want to go back to the top one, and that is being a good listener, um, uh, which is a skill. <laughs> it, it, it just doesn't happen overnight for, for a lot of people. Uh, so it, it is a skill. So it's something you have to work at. And let me even dig just a little bit deeper with that because there's levels of listening, right? So listening just to be able to respond is what most people do. So they're Mm -hmm. hearing, but in the process of hearing, they're actually already formulating 
their response, which means they're not actually listening, if you really think about that, right? Uh, because they're just listening to say, okay, I'm, I'm all right, you know, let me get to a spot where I get my word in because I need to say what my response is. Uh, what you want to be able to do is actually hear the other person's thoughts, comments, whatever it is that they're sharing with you as a whole, right? Then process it, then respond, right? So that that is the process that, that you should go through. Uh, but most people don't because we feel like we've got to have this instantaneous response to all things. So as being a better listener, being a good listener is to learn to have that patience to actually capture it all first, then process it, then give your response. So I just wanted to share that. Um, I'll say I am not, I have not been um, in the past a good listener, um, even though I thought I was because I heard everything that you said. Um, and that is that is the work that I'm doing on myself is and I have, think I have mentioned this before more than once that people and even my grown children will say, um, wait, mama, listen to what I have. To say <laughs> because quickly, be, the mother in me wants to solve it right away, um, either because I already know what we should do and I already know what I need to respond or I just don't feel like hearing the whole story. Um, but, um, and so that has kind of spilled over into every other conversations that I've had with other people. Um, and so I have been trying to groom, I have been working on grooming myself to just listen. And the people can, people can trust you when they know that you're listening to learn about what they're saying and not putting a lot of energy into listening to respond. So I'm learning to be more purposeful in my listening. Um, I know that um, people will trust me when they know that I'm listening to learn and to to hear what they're um, to hear what they're saying and understand what they're saying, not to just to give a response. And I used it used to drive me kind of crazy when people when I would talk to people and I would give give them my you know my problem or whoever problem and they just wouldn't say anything. And then I would say, well, you're not going to say anything. Brian is a perfect example of that. And I would say, you're not going to say anything? And they'd be like, well, let me get back with you. So not being self-aware, the first thing you would be, start thinking about, well, what did I say? What did I do? What, what happened? What's wrong? Mm -hmm. Really, they were just purposeful listening and, and, mm -hmm. and being a listener and sorting through that so that they can respond in a way that... Um, came from what they thought and not just what you said and what they heard. Mm -hmm. So that is my, my spill on being a good listener. I am learning that more and more every day. Absolutely. Tristina, what, what on the list, anything you want to tackle on that one? I, I, I really thought about this one and I thought the uh, eliminating the blame game and tit for tat. So I, I taught middle school. And you can see some of all of the most irritating and frustrating behaviors in middle schoolers. As an adult, when I started to see that in working relationships and uh, even in, in marriage, I thought that's definitely not a place that I want to show up because you don't even feel safe with a person who's always looking to blame someone else or doing a tit for tat. 
And uh, I would always challenge uh, myself in that place. Like, mm -mm, listen, if you got to take, say, it's me so that you can just stop it before it even gets started. I rather would do that instead of going through that whole process of you did this, you did that. And I'm like, uh, -uh I'll just take one for the team. That's kind of how I see it. Because as adults, you want to have trusting relationships and interactions with people. But if we are looking at doing a tit for tat, well, they did this or said this, and it may have just been uh, not uh, an intentional or malicious thing. But if you are in that place where you're doing a tit for a tat, then I'm, I'm not going to feel safe with you. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to trust that I'm safe with you or the blame game, because then you're not taking accountability or responsibility for what you need to change. And I tell you, you know, those years in the classroom working with young kids and seeing, because it's okay for them, right? Because we're helping, you know, to mold and shape them into young people and young adults, right? But when I started to see that in my working relationships and, you know, uh, in marriage, I was like, no, this is not a good thing because you, you, you just don't really feel that that person is valuing the level of trust. And that's another thing. I don't think we talk a lot about um, what, what trust looks like. And for me, I attach it to safe. The mm -hmm. word safe. Can I be safe with you, especially if I've given my heart to you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, and so those, th it, it, those are two of the things that I really thought was important to touch on because uh, we don't always see that about ourselves. And we do need to have those in our circle that will point it out to us. Um, and like I said, I, being in the, that classroom with those kids and seeing this is what middle school kids did. 12, 13, 14, you 30, nah, -uh, cut that out. <laughs> you 45 or you 60, like, why are you still doing that? And so that's kind of the place where I am. But I would hope that people see also that you can trust me that when I point it out to you, it's not that I'm pointing it out so that I can be judgmental. It's just a place to say, hey, have you thought about what you're doing here? Because this is what I'm seeing. And so that's another level of trust. I think that's the outward uh, position of it, that I'm going to share what I'm seeing with someone else so then they can do the inner work. And maybe they're not self-aware in that moment. But that is the two that I wanted to talk about, this blame game and tit for tat. And I, I, I'll be honest, y'all, to see that in adults, especially in uh, relationships, right? I don't understand that because if the value of your relationship is we're connected, I want this to go to long haul. Why would I find myself blaming you or doing tit for tat? Like that undermines everything about us being able to be safe with one another and continue in this journey together. So, uh, yeah, those two right there was what really stood out to me. <laughs> Um, can I respond before I um, burst? So, first of all, the um, what you said about the blame game and the trusting piece in a relationship, 
I thought what the first thing came to my mind was if you know that I love you and I I know that you love me in any type of relationship. If I mention to you, if I if I come to you and say, hey, I noticed this, you know, maybe this would be something that you need to talk, you know, think about or or make some adjustments. If you know that I care about you and I would not do anything to harm you, then you should if you trust that, then you should know that, hey, I'm telling you this because it's of your best interest. So maybe I need to step back and look at that and not say, not respond. Well, you do this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, because that's not trust at that point. Mm-hmm. So then we need to see, do you really trust me? Um, you need to think about, do I really trust you then? Because now I think that you're, you're, you're um, challenging me. You're um, assaulting me uh, verbally. So do I really trust you? Then you need to think about that in your relationship. Do I really trust that person? Because now I think they're assaulting, assaulting me and, you know, by saying I do something. And then in the tit for tat part, um, when we step in, up and accept our mishaps and, our, and acknowledge our, our, our role mm-hmm. in the situation, it allows others to trust us. And then we can start resolving. And I use tit for tat, a concept in problem solving with my girls. You cannot solve a problem if you both go on tit for tat because right. that last forever <laughs> well you did that well you did that well you did that so at this point the problem has is way down the street we have we have gotten so far away from the problem because now we're all the way up here to some other stuff that had nothing to do with the problem because now we're talking about all the other things so when you don't go to tit for tat and you say i did i felt that you did this this way to me and then i respond however I respond, the way I made you feel. Because this is what we're talking about, how I made you feel. We're not talking about how me telling you how I felt made you feel. This is about how you made me feel. So you respond with how I said you made me feel. And then at another time, we could talk about another thing that happened that made you feel a certain way. But we don't go back and forth about how I made you feel and how you made me feel and how I made you feel. You know, that's a tit for tat. And so when we can when we can acknowledge our mistakes, acknowledge our roles in, in, in the relationship or the conflict in that relationship, then it allows other people to trust you. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you how you made me feel. Mm-hmm. And then I know that you'll talk, you'll listen yeah. and learn about what it what, what happened, and then you'll respond accordingly. And then we can solve the problem. Not, well, if I tell them, then they're going to tell me what I did. And then I'm going to tell them what they did. And I'm going you know, to go back and forth. <laughs> that is not a trusting behavior. Great. Right. Right. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Do that. Do you feel better now? <laughs> okay, good. So uh, I'm glad you brought that out because that, and this is what we, when we started this session, we know this is one of those ones, even when we were putting it together, we're like, man, this thing might end up being pretty long because it's so relevant. But it's also mm-hmm. a very deep subject, right? And I, that, again, people don't realize I think the depth of when you start talking about getting into trust and how you can, how it can play back and forth in many different ways. Uh, Bridget, what you were just speaking of obviously has a lot to do with the perception versus reality piece of it, which is something mm-hmm. we, we talk about a lot, especially when it comes to, as you were saying, it made me feel this way. You said X or did Y or whatever it might be, and I from that i felt this or you know this these my feelings associated with it and the other person might have totally missed it because their mm-hmm. perception of what they said or the situation or, or whatever else might be totally different than the reality of how you a- actually felt it right 
And, but those are the conversations that we have to have so that we can try to remain on the same sheet of music, right? Because if we don't, that's when, as you said, when we're talking about your girls, you get way down the road, and but the problem's way back here. You know, you're miles away from it now. So how can you solve something when now you're not even in the same realm with it anymore? Mm-hmm. So the key is to address it, A, B, address it early. And that's a whole nother conversation, I think. I think that's another session we can get into about how sometimes people will let it brew and brew mm-hmm. and brew, and then the eruption happens and it's, it's a whole nother story. Uh, and, you know, there's a whole thing people talk about, you know, well, I don't want to nag or be that person. But if you're holding it in, then that also has probably worse ramifications long term. So mm-hmm. I just want to throw that out. Anything else on this before we move on to talking about some of the distrusting behaviors? No. All right, let's get into that. So I'm going to cover talking about some of the distrusting behaviors. And I, I did this slide purposely with checkboxes. Right? And we're specifically going to focus on these thinking of them as do I display, act out, whatever other term you want to use, any of these particular behaviors. And if I do, you get a checkbox. So check the box because... That's a self-awareness thing that we want to talk through when we talk about trust, right? So first thing, and and, and I say they, uh, and again, I'm, that's because I'm speaking out, but think of this internally to you. You're asking yourself these questions. Do you anticipate betrayal and always see the negative and especially see the negative first? So if you are looking at everything and just automatically going, yep, going to be betrayed, going to be a negative it's going to be an absolute mess you often find as it says you find yourself assuming the worst noticing people's weaknesses whether rather than their strengths mm-hmm. and again a session if you haven't watched it that we have that Bridget and I did and we talked about uh, no such thing as perfect basically because uh, the, the, there's no nothing's going, going to be perfect so if you're looking at an individual and what you're focused on is their weaknesses and how they may be imperfect, you're always going to find those things, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a conscious choice to choose whether to um, focus in on that. Mm-hmm. How about take that same energy? Because obviously you've figured out you got a keen eye to be able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Focus on the strengths that the person has and not their weaknesses. Uh, not to say that you can't bring their weaknesses up and help them work to be better in those areas, especially if you're in a relationship with this person. But the key is don't harp on one side of the fence always mm-hmm. and, and, and do some, some good on the other side. And I think that's the key component to that. Ladies, what do you think? I will say this. It's so draining. Just right off the, <laughs> it's so draining to anticipate betrayal and see the negative in everything and in most people. It, it's just very draining, and not just for you. I mean, not just for others with that that you come across, but for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. and it's sad. it's situational and it's sad because um, why I say it's situational because if friends hurt you in the past, then when you meet other people and try to rebuild build another circle, your guard is up the whole time. Because they hurt me in the past. So these people are probably going to hurt me too. You leave a job where coworkers were bully, bullying you. So you go to another job and now you won't go in the break room because 
when you was in the break room before, you know, they were whispering. So every time you pass by somebody and they're whispering, you're thinking about they're talking about you. Um, and so it's it, um, you know, the assumption is just draining. And so we it's hard. And I know that it's hard. And, and people may say, well, that's easy for you to say because you're not on that side of the coin. It's really hard, especially if you come from a place where people have hurt you. But if you think about the energy that it takes to do that, um, you'll kind of free yourself from it. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows you're doing it but you. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tristina, what do you think? I love that Bridget brought out the a point that it's draining because uh, <clears throat> we talk a lot about our energy, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you are given all of your energy to finding the negative or seeing the negative or assuming the worst, you have drained all of your resources for that person or that experience or place to show up. And you can receive that not out of the negative space. And mm-hmm. so what, what I what I had to learn is you will have to make a conscious decision, especially if there has been hurt or injury before to say that will not rule me, especially if there's still emotions attached to that, right? The the healing process is still uh, active and engaged. Uh, Hopefully, you know, that's the place we find ourselves. But if you are in that place, you have to be intentional and say, no, I'm not going to see this situation as the same experience that I did the others. That is a place where you have to be um, self-aware, Mm-hmm. Because it would be easy to look outward and say, well, I bet they're going to be like this or, you know, I've had this situation before. No, if you are self-aware, you can say that may have been a previous or prior experience with a person or a place, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean this is going to be similar. And even when you see some of the same things cropping up, that may be similar because the nature of people is the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one of the things we have to realize is you may encounter a similar situation again, but it doesn't mean you have to see the negative. You can say, I know from the last experience what happened, what it was like, what am I going to do different now? And I think that's the self-awareness piece that really brings us to a place where we're doing our work. Mm-hmm. Because no matter what the circumstances may be, the environment may be, you're the person that is showing up. So have you done your work so that you can offer something different? Maybe mm-hmm. those people don't see it. Maybe they're not aware. And so if you respond and come in and do the same thing everybody else has done out of a negative experience, you I'm a teacher. So I'm like, you're missing an opportunity to teach them something about what it is they don't see. And because I give people grace, right, uh, you know, and I learned this through my marriage, <laughs> the second one, that you got to give people grace, even in their failures and their mistakes, right? And I want to be a safe place. I want to be a place where people feel like, oh, I can trust this or I can trust that about her. And so that is where offering grace in those situations instead of looking at the negative and pointing out everything. It's like walk with people for a season, right? And then when the the connection is close and the relationship is built and you feel like there's some trust that has been established, then you can say, hey, had you seen this or thought about this? But it's not that you've led out with the negative or you assume the worst. You have just 
been aware because you see it. We can't hide from things that are right there in front of us, but we don't have to lead from that place. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Thank you for that. So let's dive in and go to the next one here. So next thing on this, uh, feel like they must do everything. So basically, this is a, a big trust issue. And this is basically where you look at a situation and you go, you know what? I don't really trust this person's going to do it or do it to my level of satisfaction. So you don't even give them the opportunity. You just mm. take over and you do it all. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's a very common thing that happens. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that drives that is in there may be some perfectionist pieces in that and some perfectionism driving it. Um, but a lot of that even can be just rooted in lack of trust, right? Not mm -hmm. trusting that, uh, the person is going to do it to to your satisfaction. And again, that's a self-awareness, self-reflection thing. Is that really what it is? Or are you just, you know, maybe that personality in some ways who wants to be in control and doesn't even give them the opportunity to step forward and do the things that they need to do? What do you ladies think? Um. You're right on all, both of those counts. Um, I can personally attest to this because in the past, um, I felt that it was important um, to me that I just took care of it, right? Um, I didn't think other people really thought it was that important. What was important to me was not that important to them. So I just took care of it. Um, but I also found in that is that I had built my circle around people that it wasn't important to them and subconsciously i knew that so i just did it so i had to make the shift right i had to become self-aware and see how where my how i fit in this circle of people mm -hmm. maybe i need to take myself out of that circle and put myself in and, and build another circle put myself in another circle sphere or what have you so i had to kind of do some internal work mm -hmm. um why did I feel like I had to do this all the time? Why did I have to do the work all the time? Why did I have to take over the project? Why did I have to start the project? Why did I? Why was my my patience so short with um, everything that was going on? That I felt like, well, let me do it because they're not going to do it. And I came, I, when I started to do the work internally, I, I found out that yeah, people really didn't think it was important, and so I didn't trust them because I knew. Absolutely. They didn't think it was important. So that is my story. Mm -hmm. I kind of chuckle what Brian was kind of leading us into this because I don't I don't believe that it's I have to be in control, but there is a this place where it's like, okay, you know how you want it done. Mm -hmm. And so you're just like, okay, I'll give you an opportunity to get it done, whether it's my kids or you know, a team that I may be leading. But then you have to say, OK, especially with your kids, I'm teaching them right of what it's going to look like when you're in your own place. Uh, but that 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 place where you're like, I got to do it because I want it done my way. I do believe that is having wanting to have all the control. But there can be a place where you just know there's a certain way that you want it done. And it's not the corner isn't perfect or, you know, it's not placed in the right, uh, you know, place. Is, is off center, it really falls down to what is your motive, right? What's your motive behind I have to do it myself? Mm -hmm. And so I've just followed through on some things for me personally to say, 
Are you trying to be controlling? Does it just <laughs> got to be Tracina's way and can't nobody else do it right? Or is it just that it needs to be done a certain way? Um, and so I have to do self-check always, always, always. And, um, and, and realize that sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's me that I just wanted to be in control and have things done my way. But um, that's where the self-awareness piece comes in at Brian. And I love that that's constantly interwoven through all of these conversations that we have to be self-aware. Yeah. And, and when you think about this from the place of distrusting behaviors, um, that is probably the one thing that is difficult. If you're not self-aware that you, you're not uh, uh, aware that your behaviors can be where people don't trust you. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to, I'm going to go even a little deeper on this one because, you know, Tristina brought up a good point. Uh, what is the intention behind it? You know, is it, is it to just be controlling, et cetera, et cetera. So that then brings upon another thought for me, because I, one of the things that I do well is uh, delegate. I, I like I delegate uh, for two reasons. One is uh, I gives the other person an opportunity to grow and learn, right? Mm -hmm. Which is one of the, the biggest benefits to it. Uh, and then it also gives them a way to showcase what they know, not just to me, but to others, right? So puts them on stage. So I like to delegate and give them that opportunity. So it, exactly here in this moment, I think that's a key component that we have to look at. And let's reel it back to say this is a relationship, excuse me, relationship scenario where how is a person going to learn how you like things, how things should be to make it better mm, if you never yeah. give them the opportunity to do so because you just do it yourself anyway, right? Yeah. So you end up boxing yourself in to this place of, you know, actually discomfort because you're not allowing them to have the opportunity to try it, to grow and to learn because they're not, they, they can't just walk right into it and probably know out of the box. It may take a few tries, but you've got to give them the chance to have those few tries. So that's what I just wanted to share is sometimes we, we actually end up doing ourselves a disservice by holding it too close because we don't give the other person the opportunity to try to learn and to grow. So absolutely. Absolutely. Great point. Great point. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Not necessarily one we like to talk about, but yeah, it is. Yep. <laughs> so let's move on to the, the next one, which is one, well, I don't even know if we want to open this whole can of worms, but it is what it is. And that is they avoid intimacy. Uh, and obviously with intimacy, that brings vulnerability, which is the biggest factor within it from a trusting standpoint. Uh, and they, they avoid intimacy because they want to avoid vulnerability at all costs, right? Um, but the key there again, and, and again, this is not just in a and, a, and an intimacy can be misused or misinterpreted too. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're not just talking about uh, a romantic relationship, you know, a significant other, that kind of thing. Intimacy can be best friends. It can be many different things because you're sharing things that are intimate or personal to you with that person, right? And because you're essentially going down a few levels in the onion on yourself when you share these things, you have to open yourself up, make yourself vulnerable to share some of those intimate thoughts, those intimate feelings that you may be having. Uh, and that's a key component, I think, to this is to, and we've talked about vulnerability a thousand times already. And I, so I think it's key that we, keep repeating that self-awareness piece and how 
to be self-aware, it does require vulnerability at the same time. Absolutely. I view the the word intimacy uh, so that we don't always attach it to some uh, romantic relationship or, you know, where we um, are in marriage or something like that. It's just closely connected. Mm -hmm. And when you're closely connected, that person can see you. Mm -hmm. Right. They, they can see you when you are close to someone, whether it's business or, or friendship, they can see you. And the reason I think many people avoid this is we all have flaws, but we are so careful that we don't want people to see that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the reason is because then you're going to challenge me. And I think that's the reason why it is so um, um, such a, a valuable piece in marriage, because that level of intimacy with uh, and we're we're talking outside of the bedroom. We just mean that that covenant, that closeness that you have with someone allows them to see you like no one else. Mm -hmm. And that is the person you should have valued the most when it comes to trust that they can tell you about yourself and you not get offended. You not get mad. You don't try to shift the blame to them. But um, that is the I, I think the one thing that makes us very distrusting is when we don't get close. Mm -hmm. And relationships are so important to me. I value people, I love people. So I don't do surface, right? I don't mm -hmm. have time for it really, <laughs> you know? But um, because relationships are so important, you're gonna get close. And you may see some things about me that you don't like. Show me, tell me. I have done enough of the, the, the work that has been revealed and exposed that you it's okay, you can tell me because I know it about myself anyway. And if I have built that trust with you, then I know you mean me good when you share it. So I think when people avoid intimacy, being closely connected because they don't want people to see their stuff and then they don't want to be challenged with it because then it requires change. Mm. That's a hard not, thing for not people. that word. <laughs> yeah, I um for the last three years, and you guys know I have been a mentor of teen girls, and that has been the most vulnerable position, besides being a mother of, of <laughs> teen and grown kids that I have ever had in my life. I mean, because I can be a teacher because between eight and four, I'm a, I'm that person that I go home. But with a mentor, I am a mentor 24 seven. I'm a mentor at 9.30 at night on the phone when something's wrong or, you know, overnight at a sleepover and we talking, you know, just whatever happens in between these walls happens between these walls. Um, and for three years, 20 or plus girls have come into my life and some have faded onto their own journey. Some are still in my life, but they have seen me in different situations. Now, granted, I thought I was here to see them, hmm. their situations. But what happened is we saw each other through our situations and I've had deaths and, and I've had moves and I've had relationship situations and I could not hide any of these things. Yeah. Um, and I never even thought about, because life moves so fast, I never even thought about how I would hide it from them mm. because I knew I had to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so I had to be transparent and vulnerable through the whole, these whole three years. 
And so what I've heard from, from them, and this is just, this is not a pat on the back for, for me. What I've heard from them is saying, what if you told Miss Bridget or Miss Kenny, however they're addressed, if you tell them, if you tell her something, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere um, unless it's going to harm you or other people. Mm-hmm. And she knows that she can trust us as well. But that's a intimate, those are intimate relationships. Even the ones that have faded off into other, you know, to another journey of their lives, they know that I'm still a phone call away. Um, and you have to be vulnerable like that. And, you know, sometimes as parents, adults, mentors, teachers, we come into um, two lives, other lives, that we're going to be the one that's going to be this hero that's going to rescue. And in turn, we learn that these people, you know, put an a, a imprint in our lives as well. So I've had to be vulnerable with them and show them, you know, this is who I was. And I'm very transparent. If you're on my social media page, you know, I'm very transparent about my life, my downs, my ups, all the flaws, all the things I haven't hit. I don't think I've hit anything, Um, but, you know, I haven't given out everything. But in terms of my life on a, a surface, I have showed everything and they appreciate that about me. And so they've never been scared to come to me. And so people trust you when you show up as your real self and when you show up as a vulnerable person and they know that you're your real self, they, they will trust you because they know, well, and they, and it's freeing. I mean, it's, vulnerability is an amazing place. I used to think it was a dark place, right? It was a hidden place and that's where you go to hide. But it's so freeing and people want to join you in that place and they can be free as well. And so that's what I found out over these last three years. I have found out so much about myself in these last three years, um, just being in that space as a mentor that I thought I was going to, everybody's going to find out about themselves. Um, but that's my piece on being vulnerable. Um, this is a, a very freeing place. Yep. Yeah. I want to chime in on that in a little bit different way. Um, Cause as I look at that and I talk about, you know, vulnerability and Christina, I love the way, you know, you talk about the, the closeness. That's really what it's about, right? Close relationships. And I also look at the vulnerability and say, that is probably one of the best ways to learn about gain perspective on self-trust. Mm-hmm. What's going on within you is you have to open up that can of vulnerability for yourself and expose it because that's where you, the, the true knowledge and the learning and the growth is going to come from within you from a, a self-trust standpoint. You know, Bridget, I know earlier you mentioned talking about there was, you know, a period in your life where you really had to uh, change in a way from the standpoint of because you felt some of the decisions you had made in the past were not the best decisions. So now you were kind of in this paralyzed state because I shouldn't be making decisions anymore because obviously I don't make good ones. Right. But the (laughs) vulnerability and working your way through that, getting back to a place of self-trust so that you could start to be more comfortable and having to make the decisions that we all have to make in life because that's a part of life. So this is a key part and vulnerability is a big driver for the the self-trust piece. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So let's move on uh, to the, the, the last couple here. Uh, one of the things that comes up quite a bit in when we're talking about trust is going to be um, looking at commitment, right? So avoiding commitment. And 
again, very broad word, you know, and we're not specifically talking about commitment for relationships. It could be jobs. It could be family. It could be friends. It could be careers. Uh, many, many different ways that commitment can play into your life and just avoiding the whole thing of, of being committed to anything because mm -hmm. A, it requires trust. B, it requires vulnerability. And I just want to share two things associated with that from, from my chair first. One is accountability, right? Because commitment, and if there's a, a direct word that equates to it, it's usually the accountability piece that most people struggle with. Because once you commit to something, it's like, oh, crap. Now I'm accountable to whatever I committed to, whatever, whatever okay. that might be, right? <laughs> so they have to reconcile that in whatever terms and ways and fashions that happens in their life. Mm -hmm. Then I want to kind of jog back to something I brought up earlier when we were talking about, I think I was talking about my um, firewall or filter, this kind of thing. We're in that part of the discussion. And I talked about um, certainty versus uncertainty. And that also has a lot to do with what you commit to and choose not to commit to is your level of certainty or uncertainty with whatever the situation a person may be, right? If it's something that you feel comfortable, you, you feel fairly certain that you can manage it, it's the right place for you, it's the right thing for you. If that's what your instincts are telling you, et cetera, et cetera, you're more likely to follow through and, and accept that commitment. If you're more on the uncertainty side of things, then most likely you're not going to uh, take that, that leap of faith and, and take that commitment. So starting to understand that there is this slider that we have in our lives about certainty versus uncertainty and realizing that and then kind of determining, you know, where you are on it in a certain situation and then, then start to work on maybe where you need to get to with that particular thing to get it to be more certain so you feel more comfortable because, again, it's all about, the, the, the self-awareness and the growth that comes from taking those steps. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, any other thoughts on commitment? No. I, I will share when it comes to commitment, the first thing that I really think about, uh, Brian, and it's kind of along with what you said, uh, accountability. Um, there's an expectation that comes when you mm -hmm. commit. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I feel about this statement when people say you shouldn't expect anything. Like, have y'all heard that? Yeah. That in certain situations, if you, if you don't expect anything, you won't be disappointed. I don't mm -hmm. understand that thought because when you commit to anything, there comes an expectation that you're going to show up to that commitment. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I don't know, where that originated from, I've seen it in certain several uh, uh, places. And I'm like, commitment says I can trust that you're going to do what you said you were going to do, right? That commitment, when you make that commitment, mm -hmm. I can sit back and say, okay, I'm good because they've committed to this. Um, I will tell you, and I, I, I want to make this, uh, this real, I think, important point. Um, because I'm I'm listening as a mother to my kids, especially my boys. Um, marriage is a commitment. Mm -hmm. And when their father decided to leave, they struggled with mm -hmm. the level of commitment that he was not making to them. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about the word commitment, and I think we can all relate to this, because sometimes that word commitment can be uh, kind of dismissed 
because we don't want to commit to some things. But this really brings it, I think, uh, to the core of who we are in our, our relationships, um, our interactions. And so when my boys are like asking why did he not hold to his commitment to them, we don't have to talk about the marriage point, but to them, what I have learned with this word commitment is just like Brian said, there's a level of accountability that comes that when we shy away from the commitments that we made, it does breed this, this discontent, uh, not discontent, but this distrust. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm having, and my boys are t- uh, teens and preteens now. So I'm having to work through what commitment looks like when a man shows up, because now I, I can't teach them how to be a man, but I can teach them manhood principles. Right. And right. so I'm trying to teach them what commitment looks like for them, right? When they're having the hard conversation or having the conversations with me that I feel like are kind of hard, I'm like, well, honey, this is what commitment will look like for you. Mm-hmm. The way someone else showed up with that is going to be different. And the reason I think that is so important is because, you know, we, we always think commitment when it comes to relationships, right? With the opposite sex or somebody we're in love with. However, the commitment uh, that we make in life to just show up in whatever role we have is so vitally important. And so I don't think we've spent enough time looking at how trust and commitment are so parallel and so important in all of our connections with people in whatever part. Uh, so this is this is one that really touches me because now I have this huge burden and responsibility to say I have to make sure that what I said I'm going to show up for that I'm showing up for. And so commitment is something that um, we 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 have to say is is going to be important and valued in our relationships and our connections because we do life with people, mm-hmm. right? And they need to be able to trust that. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely yeah. agree. Yep. Could not agree more. So the last bullet point talks about, you know, you're very suspicious of others. And that really kind of ties back to what we've talked about before, because the first one was you anticipate betrayal and mm-hmm. uh, you always see the negative. So those two are really tied together. So, Mary's um, right. Mary's. Uh, you know, no, no need to really uh, rehash that. So we'll yeah. move on to the next slide. And this is where we start to talk about um, the benefits of trusting, right? Bridget, you want to run through that real quick for us? Benefits of trusting, um, the rainbow part. Um, you can you you also become someone to trust. It builds self confidence. It connects you to others. It reduces the feeling of loneliness, and it creates vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, um, I mean, it's all of those for me. Um, self-confidence when I learned to trust myself being self-aware it 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 was okay for me to trust others because then I knew who I could trust I made the, the decisions now I made was coming from a self-aware place so it gave me the confidence to trust others mm-hmm. um, it, and, and in turn it connected me to others so all of these connect each other to you know it connects and it does reduce the feeling of loneliness because the, the draining part of being suspicious of others and always thinking the negative is that you always distance yourself from people mm-hmm. 
So you're going to be lonely and you're going to always feel lonely. You're going to always feel like people don't want to be around you. And you're going to always feel like you don't want to be around people. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to have your wall up. So you're never going to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so the benefit of trusting is all of those above. Agreed. Absolutely agree. Yeah. For me, the ones that really jump out are, as you said, the connecting you with others is, is mm-hmm. important and getting past the, the, the loneliness piece because you, you do have to open yourself up and, and be vulnerable as, as the last bullet point. And, you know, and total probably for a lot of people, the, the juxtapose that I position to say, this is a benefit, but it's vulnerability because it's like, whoa, wait, that, that's a benefit to me because most people don't want to be vulnerable. Yeah, we've been preaching that all day, and that that that's a key component of it is you do have to open yourself up to truly be able to trust uh, not only within yourself but definitely within others and other other situations. So it's a very key component to it. Something just popped in my head, and I thought, and I need to say it. When people talk now in conversation, they'll say, "I'm gonna be very vulnerable. I'm I'm, I'm gonna be very transparent." You know, so now that's the thing that we say now before we open up a conversation. So how? What if we normalize that when we don't have to make that disclaimer first? Right. That's a normal thing now to be vulnerable or to be transparent. So because we make that disclaimer, I'm going to be transparent so everybody move in. Uh, and so we just normalize being vulnerable. So it shows up all the time. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. It just, it just, that was just a thought. Go ahead. I'm just no, no. That's a great point, though. It's like an old Dell statement about somebody said, may I speak freely? And it's like, well, what have you been doing the rest of the time? Right. So, <laughs> okay. so, yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I would just add that um, the part about connecting to others. When we do life, we do life with other people. And so you have to find a place where trust is something that you value. You hold it near and dear because it allows you to connect to others. If you're a distrusting person, whether it's with yourself or other people, it's going to make it difficult to connect. And so that's where we have to find a place. Okay, we do life with each other, the way we show up in whatever, you know, places. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we value that part of it always. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Well, let's uh, bring this home. We've, we've been on quite a while today, and uh, so I'm going to bring it back and get to the last slide here for today, which is uh, our question of the day. And I'll, I'll let the ladies answer first, and I'll, I'll summarize at the end. Here's a question of the day. What element of trust did you learn today that you had never thought about before, and how will you use it? Um, I will say I'm still learning how to not feel like I have to do everything. Mm-hmm. Everything is broad for me. Um, I never thought, thought about it the way Tristina presented it. Um, but it for me, broad means it could be phone calls and getting people together, volunteering to do something. And it may be a controlling piece to that. Um, I never really thought about it that way. Um, that it's not that I just didn't trust people. I just wanted it done a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so I am still learning how to not feel like I have to do it, uh, do everything just because I wanted a certain way. It may have, you don't have to be that way. Um, and so um, that is something I'm working on. Okay. Thanks, Bridget. Tristina, what about you? I would say, um, the, the, the element of trust that I learned today really uh, came from the self-awareness piece. Um, I never thought about it being self-aware, 
but I always thought my decision-making, my ability to make good decisions when I said I didn't trust myself came from what I felt like was I just didn't know certain things. But the self-awareness piece says, but what about you that you didn't consider needed to show up so you could make those decisions and then trust that you did it the correct way? So I'm going to I'm really going to start looking at that a little bit more uh, and see how I can maybe even go back and learn from some of my past experiences and bring that forward with me, that whole self-awareness piece and trust. Awesome. So for me, it was when we were discussing um, kind of going back to the whole firewall filter part. And then uh, the question was, you know, was that intentional? You know, did, mm -hmm. I, did I do that intentionally? And my answer at that time was yes. Uh, but that brought forth a realization for me. Uh, and that realization is that, you know, and what I'm trying to do with the VOV network and et cetera, et cetera, that the whole point of it is to make an impact and make a difference, right? So the more people that I can uh, have that impact and be that difference maker for is, is going to be what's going to be most beneficial for me personally, because that's that's the mission that I'm on, yeah. which then means I actually need to open that filter up some more, because the only way you're going to reach more people is to allow them, as we talked about, from a, a closeness relationship or intimacy or whatever term you want to use. So that's a takeaway for me is to reevaluate that and then uh, figure out a way to um, rework that so that I can be more open uh, and be, I guess, just more uh, vulnerable and accepting and available because that's really where it's going to make the true difference for me and having the impact that, that I want to have. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. So that's my takeaway for today. Final thoughts before we wrap up and end this for today. Um, very great topic um, because we I can see that because it's been, it has been very lengthy. Um, I hope <laughs> you got a piece of this. Um, it was very, it was re really good. Um, it resonated with us so that I know that the audience that it listened, it resonated with them at some point. I would just say my final thoughts is that, you know, when, when you weave trust through all of your connections and relationships, uh, we need to find more value in that and then do the work that extends uh, from that. Because it's, it's like I said before, with the emotion part, it's too weighty of a thing to attach to an emotion. So mm -hmm. we have to be consciously aware of what it takes for us to be in trusting relationships. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. This was great. I really appreciate the time this morning and uh, what we shared. I think we all learned something and I think we all shared mm -hmm. some things that other people will learn from. So for our audience out there, thank you so much for joining us. It, it, again, trust is a foundational piece. And that's why we wanted to end the five T's on this particular one, because it really is uh, the last part of that piece that can really start to take you over from a transparency and truth and trust standpoint. Tie those three things together in your life. It will absolutely make a difference. And, transforming uh, so, at, at its best. Transforming at its best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So until next time, I thank everyone and uh, take care. Take care of each other. We'll definitely see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>